The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases. He drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose I have come. So he went into their synagogues, preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. In the New Testament, there are four Gospels. And the Gospel of St. Mark, which we are reading through this year at our Masses on Sunday, is the shortest of the four Gospels. It is only 16 chapters long. It can be read in a single sitting in an evening, which I do recommend. Oftentimes, we fall into the trap of only really hearing the Gospels, hearing the Scriptures with regularity when we show up at church. Or our reading of the Bible at home is episodic. We read from one book one day. A few days later, we pick up the Bible again, and we begin reading someplace else. And that's not bad. But there is a value as well in terms of knowing the Gospels and knowing the story of Jesus from beginning to end, as each of the gospel writers presents it to us. Amazingly, we are in the fifth week of ordinary time, and we haven't even left chapter one of Mark's gospel. In fact, we'll be in chapter one again next week. The beginning of his gospel is absolutely remarkable. The symbol of St. Mark's gospel is a lion. And he's given that symbol because his gospel begins with a roar, the mighty voice of St. John the Baptist booming out of the desert, alerting all Israel to know that the Savior indeed has come close. But it continues with that degree of intensity through the first several chapters where Jesus is always on the move and it is a remarkable, relentless picture of the Lord who has come to the world and he's not going to wait to be about saving it. And so in the first couple chapters, there is a remarkable series of dramatic acts of power, great miracles and healings. We see one of them before us today. Within the first couple chapters of his gospel, he already, Jesus already is in conflict with the scribes and the Pharisees. Within these first couple 
chapters of the Gospel, St. Mark also sneaks in small expressions that are really worth noticing, including the way the Gospel today ended. He doesn't tell us everything Jesus does, rather he gives us a handful of very powerful episodes, told in short order, you're almost out of breath reading them, there are so many. But then he sneaks in the notion that there are dozens, even hundreds more acts just like this. Pause on that for a moment. Because again, as we grow up learning the Gospels, learning the stories of Jesus, again, we hear about his miracles and we think of them as these individual discrete actions. And again, that's not bad. But the interesting thing is that sacred scripture, and especially St. Mark, says there's more than a few of these. I'm giving you these as examples of the great many things that Jesus has done and in fact continues to do. And so while on the one hand his gospel is the shortest, on the other hand, it is remarkable in that it contains the most action. And this action that spills beyond the individual examples that are placed before us. And so it is today, following on the dramatic event in the synagogue that we heard about last week, St. Mark saying, and it's still the same day and Jesus isn't done. And so at the end of the day, he goes into the house of Simon and Andrew, those disciples he has called to himself, bringing a couple other disciples with him. And when they walk in, Simon's mother-in-law is bedridden, stricken with a fever. And note the language. They immediately told the Lord about her. They didn't wait. We sometimes make that mistake. We sometimes make that mistake when there is a friend or a family member undergoing a certain degree of crisis, overcome by something. We'll wait and see before we bring it to the Lord, but note the language here, they didn't wait. The Lord is in the house. She is afflicted. Why wait? The presence of Jesus carries a certain immediacy with it. And we have this marvelous example that the disciples understand. Jesus is with us now. We should say something. Jesus is here now. And so we should approach him and we should bring our loved one to him. It's a remarkably beautiful moment and it's out of that now that Jesus acts. They immediately tell him, and what does the Lord do? He immediately moves to the one who is afflicted. That quickly. Lifting her out of bed, not simply taking the fever away, but restoring her energy to such a degree that she who couldn't move because of her illness just a moment ago is in the kitchen cooking dinner. What a remarkable moment that is. Note how he heals her in a way that brings back the vigor of her life to her. That she can resume caring for her family directly and immediately 
because her weakness was brought to the Lord. And giving us that one example, St. Mark then continues that the people from the surrounding area came to the house that very night. And what did they do? They brought with them all of those who were sick, all of those who were possessed and afflicted and beaten down. They brought them there. Note how we get one example. Peter's mother-in-law is sick. They mention it, and Jesus moves. And then he gives us this great number of miraculous events that follow exactly that pattern. Jesus is at the house, and the people come. And why? Jesus is there now. And so we should do something. There's no need to wait. He is with us now. And in that now, the first thing they do is they bring those who struggle. They bring those who are afflicted. They bring those who are ill. And in that great and overwhelming number, the Lord is not overwhelmed, but heals them. And so what we see in our gospel reading is the answer to our first reading. We hear in the book of Job something that many of us know all too well, that all too often our nights can be long and sleepless and devoid of rest. And the more we wonder when rest will come, the longer the night becomes. And out of those restless nights, we wake up into days that pass in a blur. And so it seems that, on the one hand, time is passing so swiftly we can't manage it, only to bring us to another night that doesn't seem to come to an end. And in speaking that way, Job, as he recounts his own pain, his own difficulty, his own struggle, is speaking on behalf of the entire world. Because sooner or later, everyone knows what it is to be afflicted. Sooner or later, everyone knows what it is to have everything come crashing down. That's true for all of us. The reality is, for many of us, there are more bad days than good days. And so as Job calls out in that way, naming realities that we're familiar with, he's not simply speaking for himself. He's speaking about our world. He's speaking about us. He's speaking about that terribly wounded member of our own families. If we stopped right there, all we would have is a cry of pain and futility, a cry of woundedness. Rather, what we have in our gospel reading is the Lord's answer to that. It is not simply that the people come to where Jesus is. It, Jesus goes to where the wounded can find him. Note how wonderful that is. And so out of that great overwhelming ocean of need that we are left with from Job, there is the Lord who meets that ocean of need with a greater ocean of grace, goodness, and healing. 
you almost see it surging in wave after wave after wave. Just as soon as everybody thinks, okay, that's everybody, another sick person shows up. Just as they're all thinking, okay, now we can have dinner, there's another handful of people coming saying, but we want to meet Jesus. It goes on into the night. In so few words, if we linger with them, note what St. Mark has shown us. That this is not the story simply of one woman being healed, but the healing of that woman is the pattern that keeps playing itself out in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Just as they brought her to him and he healed her, so now out of the surrounding area, all of the need is brought to him. And unlike us who can't meet every need, Jesus can. And so he is there and he's not overwhelmed by the pain. He is there and he is not exhausted by the need. We can't give to that degree, but he can. Note how marvelous, note how marvelous that is. And yet that is strangely not enough, abundant as that was. And the implication is that there were dozens upon dozens of miracles that very night. St. Mark just told us one in detail. But he lets us know that there were so very many more. And then out of that, note what the Lord does out of all of that giving, out of all of that miraculous demonstration of goodness, he withdraws, and why does he withdraw? Note the example he sets for us to pray. Because even and actually especially the good that we do must be brought back to God. And so note that Jesus is not simply one who goes out and works miracles. He is not simply the one who preaches outwardly he is most especially that one who regularly lifts his heart to his Father in heaven, who lifts his eyes upward above this world to the God whom he serves and who is, in fact, his Father. Note how wonderful that example is. This is the other curious thing about St. Mark's Gospel. As often as he shows us Jesus, the mighty servant, as often as he shows us the activity of Jesus, the energy of Jesus, the power of Jesus, he makes it a point to put before our eyes the prayerfulness of Jesus. And Jesus is always at one and the same time the man of action and the man of prayer, the man of worship and the man of service. He's not merely the one who serves because then we give ourselves away and we're not renewed. He is not merely the one of worship because he understands that love of God must spill outward to love of neighbor, and he wants us to see that. And so in withdrawing away from his disciples, away from the town, away from that house, away from the need of the world, he does so so that when his disciples come looking for him, 
they find him in his prayer. This too is very important. We think sometimes prayer is only in the direction of us speaking to Jesus. But the reality is, the greater reality is that Jesus invites us and calls us into his prayer. And the Lord doesn't simply want to respond to our prayers, he wants to pray with us. What a remarkably great thing that is. In fact, in just a few minutes, when Jesus himself will be on this altar, in his body and in his blood, he will be personally present here to us, and from this altar, his prayer will be rising heavenward as well. One of the reasons Mass is such a mighty prayer is that it is more than just our prayer. It is our prayer lifted upward on the wings of the prayer of Jesus Christ. When Jesus is present, two things always happen. And there's no exception to this rule. Two things always happen. God is worshipped and we are saved. You don't have one without the other. When the Lord is present, God is perfectly worshipped. And when the Lord is present, the perfect goodness of salvation is given to us. In miniature, we have that presented before us today. And in a way that points out something that's a reality of the church that we don't speak about enough. And that's this. This pattern that we see in St. Mark's Gospel out, plays out today and in particular here at this holy place, this shrine, in a very important way. And so as an example, since the beginning of the new year, since January 1st, in this church, I have celebrated the sacrament of the anointing of the sick eight times already. That is a large number. That's remarkable, and yet it's a typical number here. But note the pattern. The Lord is present in his church. The Lord is present in a place of prayer. And what does that mean? It means the neediness of the world is, in fact, invited. It means that it is important for us to bring our elderly, our infirm, our struggling, because this is where the Lord meets us. And note how wonderful it is. This beautiful prayer, the anointing of the sick, oftentimes it begins with a family member requesting it on behalf of their loved one who is ill. They immediately brought them to Jesus. Note how beautiful that is, and how it's not simply the sick person's prayer or the sick person's faith. It's the prayer and the faith of the family member, the prayer and the faith of the caregiver that brings that one to where healing and mercy can be found. Note how marvelous that is. And so that Jesus has left this beautiful sacrament in the church, which we hardly speak about, we hardly mention, 
and yet is so great and so important. And note what it means. It means what we heard in today's gospel reading for 2,000 years has continued and still continues to repeat itself. In the heart of the church, where the people come to the house, to the building, to the place, where they know Jesus can be found. And they come not simply because they want to pray, which is a wonderful thing. They come also because they need. They come also because there's a woundedness that needs to be touched and met by grace. This is why we have our parish churches. This is why we have places of prayer like shrines. And this is why the church has those sacraments, especially the sacraments of healing, by which our guilt and our sins are taken away and we're made new, by which the woundedness of our bodies and our minds and our spirits can be touched and met and healed. What a great gift that is. And it's important that we're aware of it. And I say this for this reason. Of all of the anointings that I have done here over the last three and a half years now, and it's been hundreds, 80% of them have been cases where the person who received the sacrament didn't even know they could ask for it. I have many people who will come and say, Father, I've just got a cancer diagnosis. Could you give me a blessing? I'm happy to do that, but the sacrament's better than my blessing. And so I say this, if there are any here who do bear the cross of illness, if there are any here who have someone with serious chronic illness in your family, the sacrament is in fact available. We celebrate it here with great regularity that's as easy as asking. And it's important. It's important that we follow that example in our gospel today. Peter's mother-in-law didn't ask for herself because she couldn't. But when her family knew that Jesus was there, they didn't hesitate, and they brought him to her. When the people of the village knew that Jesus was there, they didn't wait. They brought their wounded. They brought their sick. The sick didn't bring themselves. Note how wonderful that is, because it's a marvelous symbol as well of the church in action and the power of our own concern and our own prayer on behalf of one another. What a great thing. And what a wonderful thing it is to reflect on all of this here because he is going to be here in a couple minutes. And as we said, when Jesus is present, two things always happen. God is being worshiped and we are being saved. And so when we come forward, even as we are coming forward to meet him, he is praying for you and lifting you up as you walk down the aisle. Note how wonderful that is. And when we stretch out our hands to him and we receive him into our hearts, we receive the very gift of salvation, but we also receive his prayer. When you go back to your seat today after receiving him, pause a minute. And before you start praying, let him lead. Let him lead. Feel the prayer of Jesus in your heart and then respond. We often think that prayer begins with our initiative. It begins with his. 
And when we get that right, great things do indeed happen. Amen.